0: Countdown, three, two, one. Hello and welcome to Tokyo Inklinks. My name is CY. You can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com, on Instagram and TikTok at Tokyo Pens, and on uh, Twitter at Tokyo Station MNH.
1: And my name is Jacob. Uh, I'm a fan on, well, the internet. Go search. Of...
0: <laughs> and yeah, as, uh, as you said, Jacob, earlier, we are officially live at uh, the Tokyo International Pen Show. Um, I think it's become a little bit of a tradition where we do a live show at the Tokyo International Pen Show every year. And yeah, this year is, is no exception obviously. Jacob, you came uh, earlier this morning, you've had a bit of a look around. I am actually working at the show this year. So it's been a little bit of a change from the previous years. where I think the previous years we came on the special day, the first day. Yeah. And usually we didn't really have much time to you know, actually go and look around the show. It was really yeah. more of a mad rush. But this year, I think we really have more time, more opportunity to to absorb the show before getting on, uh, before getting on the podcast. But is that
1: true for you though? Because again, you're working, and based on what you said about working at the US pen shows, you're basically stuck at your table for the entire duration. So, have you been able to walk around at all and see the other tabletop yeah. vendors?
0: So. Um, Fortunately or unfortunately, I'm, I'm not quite sure, but it's definitely quieter here at the at the Tokyo International Pen Show. Um, especially the setup time, I think everybody's quite efficient setting up. And notably, I think the hallways are much larger, much spa- uh, much more spacious than the U.S. show. So everybody got set up relatively quickly. And I was actually able to, to look around, do a quick walkthrough before everybody came in in the morning. Because what they're really good at is really, the crowd control. So... Um, every morning before the show starts, they wait until exactly 9.30 or whatever the entry time is and they have this like ceremony where everybody stands up and claps for the the, um, people who are attending. So it's a very Japanese thing, but yeah, before those times I was able to take a look. And interestingly at the Tokyo show, what happens is they have split the show into several different blocks. So we had the morning block and the afternoon block. And in between there's 30 minutes of rest time with yeah, yeah. obviously you can have lunch or you know, look around.
1: Did you have that at the U.S. pen show, this rest time in between? Absolutely not.
0: Oh. So, uh, what we're getting is a transmission from the organizers. Someone lost the sailor pen. And you can really see how efficient the, the organization is just by this. They have a PA system where they can alert people, hey, somebody's lost their pen, please pick it up at this booth, or hey, whoever, um, you know, vendor, somebody's looking for you. And I think it is really easy. It's, it's really much more well-organized. But on the flip side, it's a lot more expensive than the U.S. shows. It's about maybe two or three times the table mm. price uh, per table versus what we would pay in the U.S.,
1: so compared to last year's tips, I think that the size of the venue, the hall is the same or pretty much the same, but the difference is that more of the space is actually used for tables, used for the vendors. and yeah. so last time like a good like almost like one third or one fourth was dedicated to, you know, workshops and the stage and there was this like area for volunteers, right? Yeah. And it was yeah. the same previous years. So now that's The workshops and the volunteers—they have moved to uh, different rooms. So more of it—it feels like there's more vendors. There've been more tables here than ever before.
0: What I remember is 99 vendors, and last year we were really almost at the entrance. And this year we're recording right from the wall of of the hall. So you know, next year we're going to get booted out and, and kicked out into a separate room, I think. But definitely, the show has grown in terms of vendors, and we see now more of the big players coming. Mm. I saw, they don't, they don't have a table here. I saw Ikoya uh, represent this here. I saw um, Isetan representing this here. Mm. and um, You know, just, just really a lot of, especially yesterday was more of like a kind of quote-unquote private day. We saw a lot of industry insiders come in mm. and we got to talk to them. And today's more of like a public day. So today we'll have 800 people and I think tomorrow we'll have 800 people mm. as well. So. I think in total that makes what, um, like, in total that makes about 2,000 attendees.
1: Mm. But so yesterday during this special day, would you say that there was a lot of actually people here buying stuff, or was it more like industry stuff where people talking to each other and making deals or whatever?
0: Yeah, I think there was a good split of both, I think for the industry stuff, There was a lot more. Um, Obviously, they can use their work time to come here because it's work for them. Um, So we did manage to to meet a lot of people um, and, you know, not necessarily make deals, but at least initiate some conversations. Whereas the other part of the attendee, the other demographic Mm -hmm. is, uh, I guess, VIPs, Mm quote-unquote, or like people who are... Uh, we would call in Japanese, they're like mania, so they're like really, um, you know, really into this this pen and, and ink swamp. Yeah. They're, they're knee-deep, and they're willing to take a day off to come to the show.
1: But uh, about that, I talked to uh, Morrison, one of our you know, favorite topics, and I read his <laughs> blog this morning, and his, he said that yesterday, during this special day, almost no one sold an ink. He complained about that, that he didn't sell an ink, and he talked to Hachimonja, he talked to Pentano, he talked to a bunch of others, and they all said the same thing. That almost no one came during the special day to buy inks. Your, your, your Bungo and uh, his turn, weren't actually at the event yesterday, while today he said it's, business is great, the inks are selling well.
0: Yeah, um, I think it really depends on which store you're talking about. So, for example, Brun uh, Kobayashi, they had uh, they had their new ink with a special label yeah. and that was sold out I think within minutes of opening because I wanted one. They said her test are were sold out. Um, but otherwise I did notice that you know sales wasn't super great uh, on the first day. like I know Likto was was a bit empty. Um, we were obviously a bit empty and then we, we noticed that uh, Ishimoto they, they had quite good foot flow for for the entire day. But yeah, maybe it was more like glass pens or more rare hard to find items rather than uh, the inks.
1: But one interesting thing about what Morrison said uh, is that he also mentioned that to his surprise, he the the resellers or the, the ten buyer were not at all present yesterday. And apparently that, that was different from last year. And so I asked him, you know, what do you even how do you even define the resellers? Are you talking about people who buy a lot, or if not, you know, do you recognize them? Instead, he was just laughing and saying, "I know exactly who the resellers are. We recognize them by now, okay. so that they are kind of famous or infamous now."
0: In well, I'll say that Izmi came yesterday and he's going to come back tomorrow, so there was at least Izmi, but otherwise, yeah, it's very much you know people, uh, you know, hardcore people, people who wanted to. To look at the pens who want to discover new things, mm. and and that was really interesting. But what about you, Jacob? How's your experience at the show been so far?
1: Yes, I came a bit early today. Uh, I haven't spent actually that much time at, at the show yet because I had to leave for a bit. Um, yeah, other than the fact that there are more tables, I would say, I mean, this is the, to no one's surprise, you have more glass pens than ever at Tips. Um, and more of these, as you said, the, the established vendors that you don't really think of as like, at, like, um, uh, like the Shosaikan is here, Staff Stationery Store is here, and so on.
0: I think that is something new. I asked them, actually. Uh, Shosaikan was here last year, and they showed off their, their Tomo collaboration. When um, I did ask them, they said that sales was, was slow but they see this as a marketing event for them. And I think that is true for a lot of the vendors here. They're not necessarily here to make money because they could probably make a lot more money uh, in their own store. But this is for people who might not necessarily know about them because all the stores are in one place. You get to see everything. Uh, They're hoping to get new customers out of this. And I would tend to agree with that. Mm
1: -hmm. Yes, other than that, I mean, as usual, there aren't. There aren't that many vendors selling new fountain pens. I mean, there are some, of course, but a lot of the tables are, as you said, about glass pens, they are about ink, they are about paper, they are about accessories, and pen cases, and stamps,
0: washer tape, and so on. So it's not, yeah, it's not a pension. Well, pen show. so second is a great point, uh, case in point for you because. They didn't develop any new pens for this yeah. year, but they did have a uh, new glass pen to sell, which they're uh, first selling at the show here. Yeah, I think that is a good case in point. Um, and I think yeah, definitely this is more. I think it. I think actually it, it's a more balanced mm. show. The only thing that we're really missing is vintage pens, older pens, like interesting pens with mechanisms. Uh, and we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later on, but I think if we get more of those kinds of vendors, this show is actually very, very well-balanced in the sense that, for example, Washington, D.C., it's all almost all vintage, almost all European mm. and almost all fountain pens. Whereas here, you got a really healthy mix of everything that you would need, orbiting the the stationary hobby. Yeah, I think that that's a good point, that this,
1: this if you want to buy ink, you go to Inkunuma, or you go to Tron and Limbs. If you want to buy vintage pens, you go to Wagner. If you want to buy, like, cheese washi tape, stamps, you go to Bungo Joshi Hake. But if you want a little bit of everything, like a balance, yeah. then you go to Tips.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not, like, the most pens ever, but I think it, it's still healthy to come because you're seeing everybody. and something. That was cool. Yesterday is that we had the vendors' dinner, yeah. where we got to socialize with a lot of vendors. You know, we introduced each other to each other, and and that was really nice to catch up with some vendors in capacities that I hadn't done before. Mm. Because usually, you know, I'm there as a customer, but this mm. time as a vendor. You know, like carson came up to me and said hello. Um, Toyoka Craft guys came to me say hello, and um, Lawrence people recognized me. And that was, that was a bit weird, but I think it's it's nice that they they have that, and that's something that we definitely don't have in the U.S. shows, for example. There's no like vendors dinner or vendors meeting where vendors get to meet each other and really socialize just within each other. So I thought that was cool.
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if that is for some of these vendors a, a big reason why they even come here. So someone like Yahashiro. Yeah. I'm not sure if it makes. I think if he's having enough hems to really make it worse spot, if it's just, if that's the only purpose. Right? But I think he enjoys, you know, having a few, having a ramen and some beer oh, yeah. with Nagahara after the event. Right? Oh
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, and yeah, it was, it was great fun. Uh, a lot of people had a lot of beers, I'll tell you that, <laughs> but I left quote unquote early uh, at about eight o'clock, nine o'clock, um, like two hours in, but it, it was a good time and it was in the building. So that was
1: really, really nice. Should we talk a little bit about, you know, what you saw at the various vendors? Table? Well, I guess you haven't seen that much, but yeah. uh, you've seen some of it. Yeah. So we talked about Obayashi. We we'll talked about their meetings. Um I talked to them about, I mean, what well, I showed them uh, one of those well-known uh, resellers. I showed them, like, like, there's someone here that is selling your... Platinum C76 for twice the retail price. I mean, are you aware of this? And and he is aware of it. And on at one hand, he doesn't like it, but on the other hand, when I ask him, what if you sell it directly to people overseas? What if you allow people to buy it you know, from the online store and actually overseas? And he says he doesn't want to deal with English and he doesn't, like, he doesn't have people enough people to take care of this for him, right? There are, apparently, there is a way you can buy There's some. They have someone who can take orders from people in China. There's like a some Chinese ordering system that is not on the website, but those know, they know apparently. But he just can't really be bothered to deal with us. I think seems to be you know, okay with the status quo. I mean, this was kind of what he said last time.
0: Yeah, that's what he said last time, and I think this is kind of indicative of a little bit of the myopic um, scope of the, the Japanese pen scene. I, I think there's a, there's a little bit of a pride to almost keeping it so exclusive. I mean, for the longest time, he didn't let people buy from even within Japan, right, online. And it's only because of COVID that he's slowly, like second year or third year into COVID, he finally is opening up an online store to sell across even Japan. So I think for Kobashi, there is a sense of pride of where that company, that doesn't sell overseas. And that's like, kind of cool for them. I'm not sure if it's if it's tried as much
1: as just the general sense of like, men look like, this is too much hassle. Because apparently, the um, the popular, like, if you set up an online store in Japan, you use like, what's it called, like, base or stores or whatever. Yes. Most of them, by default, they don't they don't. They only accept domestic credit cards, right? So the, the, there's a friction right. there. You you need to you need to figure out an alternative means of payment, and of course, you know, you need to figure out yourself how to ship overseas. But also, I mean, that's not the end of the transaction. Once you've sold someone overseas, you may have to deal with follow-up questions, you know, returns, and you really need someone who can. And, Talk to them in English and, you know, deal
0: with those, like, after sales. Well, e- but even on the store, right? Like, last time I ordered online from them, they had a specific notice where they said, we will cancel any order that is sent to a reshipping service. And for me, that, that doesn't really make sense because you're still shipping in Japan, but they wouldn't allow anybody with foreign credit cards to order. They wouldn't allow anybody, yeah. even using Ship to order. So I think, I don't know. Kobashi is a weird one, but they've always been kind of a, a, a weird but special one in, yeah. in the Japanese scene.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree. But again, I don't I don't think it has so much to do with pride as it has to do with it. It's not
0: worth a hassle. I Maybe, think. yeah.
1: Um, should we talk about sort of one of the most
0: interesting uh, tables, uh, Fuga? <laughs> so we, we, we talked about Fuga last year. They were here last year. And um, I think the discussion last year was that they had a bunch of different pens and sample materials and they had like this box where they would show the process of making a nib. So it seemed like they were making in-house nibs. But the weirdest thing was that they didn't have any nibs for you to try, they didn't have any nibs for you to sample, they had nothing for you to buy. Now, it took them an entire year, but now they have nibs for you to try, but still nothing you can can buy. they're not here to make money right they're, they're not here to to really sell anything because no no i think they are here to, to sell but they're not selling to end consumers they're, they're trying yes. to
1: just business deals
0: yeah so what they told us and, and we asked them we said hey is that, do you have anything that we can buy now and they said no but we do oem for other companies yeah and that really piqued my interest so before we talk about the oem bike did you try their nib yeah, I, I tried the, the,
1: the in-house. Uh, the what gold did you nibs.
0: think?
1: Well, I didn't spend too much time on it. I mean, it's, it, I don't know. I, I don't have, didn't really did form a opinion about it. It, I mean, it seemed to write well, but, but that's true for most gold names.
0: It I wasn't yeah. really an expression, but that's not. I mean, it seemed to write fine. I, I really like the the shape of the name. I feel like their tines were really long, and as a result, it gave a really springy feeling. That you don't find in a lot of modern nibs and it's interesting because they had a really large tipping and when i asked them about it yesterday they said they were hand grinding this tipping and um, and they were basically doing everything they can do your your own custom engraving not just laser engraving but like stamp engraving and the price was was fairly reasonable for for a large batch order oem The one
1: thing that was a bit weird was, I went to the table, I started asking them, the first thing they did, they said that they gave me a cell phone, talk to our boss in China. Yeah. Like, okay, okay, hello? And there was already some guy on the phone, I was like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to ask you, but uh, hello there. Yeah,
0: Yeah, so um, the story with this is that the boss in China, um, I don't know why, but he never gets to make it out to Japan. So they were going to have somebody else show at the table, but. This person couldn't make it or something. So at the last minute, they got this this guy who's I think a student here in Japan. Mm. They got some random student to, to stand at the table and hold the phone to whoever wants to buy these sugar nibs. Which is it's kind of funny, it's kind of charming. Mm. And you can tell they, they're they they're here to be at a trade show, not necessarily a consumer like yeah. enthusiast show.
1: Yeah, and then uh, I asked them about Ivasic. So the last time we talked about how like, they had this very uh, exotic bespoke marquee pants yeah. by, that we recognize from yeah. from Wagner from Ivasic's Sexual And I asked, you know, is is still involved in this business? And he said, as for health for health is not really involved in at all right now.
0: So, which I feel like we've heard before. I feel like we've heard before, but but that guy always re- manages to rear his head back up. So I don't know. He, he's the puppet master in the background. You know? Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Um, but they they do offer a lot of different niche sizes, mm. and know that you can't you can't buy them necessarily yet. Another interesting thing about them is that what they they told me that they developed a housing with Yovo, mm. but it's their housing. Because they're developing in-house Ebonite feeds too. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so all of their their nibs come with Ebonite feeds and their own housing, which which I thought was pretty cool. You don't see that very often here. Mm. And I think if that's a level of Chinese pen manufacturing, now we have pen BBS fourteen karat gold nibs. Mm. You have the carved nibs, which um, when I looked under the microscope, mm. it looks like it was hand. Engraved, even though every single one of them looks exactly the same. So mm. the, the level of carving is incredibly high. Um, you have now Wingstone coming out with 14 karat gold nibs, and Fuga said they're working on doing a number eight nib as well, mm. number eight um, gold nib. And they, they're not messing with any steel nibs. You know, they they're not they're not going out and, and trying to make the lower end stuff. Huh. They're actually really focused on the high end stuff. And if this is the level of Chinese manufacturing now. I mean, well, wow, I think in five years, I don't know, I think they're going to take over the world. It's happening. It's happening. It's happening.
1: So, are we done with Fuga? Should we talk about the style art? Yeah. So, I think last time, I mean, he was I mean, partially joking, but he said like, that Japanese people want to really buy expensive pens. You know, his, his main customers are in the U.S., like San Francisco, yeah. and so on he said that there's a difference this year. He said that especially female customers bought urushi pen this year. So he, yeah. he wasn't really sure why, what it's coming from. I mean, because he hasn't really changed his lineup that much, but apparently there's a demand for Uru- fancy urushi pens among the
0: female customers Do you think that it's because the that demographic has kind of matured and evolved over the years? Because I think, in a pension like this, maybe, you know, seven years ago, you wouldn't see as many uh, women. And when we commented about, you know, the growing female audience in Japan or for Fountain Friends, we see this at Wagner, we see this all over, all over the industry. Do you think that that segment has matured to a point where they're, you know, dipping their toes into that, not even just high-end, but really high-end stuff after the Nakaya, right? Like, you buy a naka, it's great, yeah. and then you see a custom handmade pen, you know, master lacquer artist's work, and they're, maybe they feel at the point where they're comfortable spending that amount of money because they've gone through the process. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely be the
1: case. Um, I mean, we know that there's a lot of new people coming into this whole uh, world of fountain pens from, you know, ink and banners, yep. and they get the preppies and coconuts and Fontest. But that's quite a jump to go from your first uh, preppy to a uh, rushi-style art, right? So so I I still don't understand why, again, in this world, there's a big difference from one year to
0: another. But even on Twitter, we see a lot of uh, ladies buying... Nakaya's. I wouldn't mm. be surprised if Nakaya's share of female customers has risen dramatically over the last few years. And especially after they announced a the price increase, um, for example, Aya on IG, mm. uh, addicted um, sticker planners, they're, they're all buying, they're rushing to buy custom Nakayas. And so I think maybe this build-up hasn't necessarily been from one year to the next, mm. but it's been slowly growing. But when you talk about stylo arts um, or stilo art's uh mm-hmm. pens, that's really on like the high end spectrum of the yeah. high end, right? Yeah. It's not For just sure. a normal high end. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think I think we'd have to keep an eye on, on this demographic. I keep on saying yeah. it, but I think that's uh, that's where the purchasing power is. So style art they also had I
1: think maybe they had it last time but they have they buy highly custom barushis and they take the nibs and put them on put on their own um pens, right? Interestingly, I always thought I always thought on the impression that they always took you know, the whole section and they just made like a wooden barrel for the section. That's not what they did this time. They actually made their own ebonite section because you know, in his view, the customer Rushi is too, too girthy for his face. And he wanted a more slimmer one
0: that took that big nib. Yeah, um, I think he does the custom sections on a few models. For example, the Shirane model, he makes his own um, sections. This one, uh, what he does is he takes a custom and I think this pen was released in July because I went to his workshop in June where he showed us the prototypes. Um, and what he does is he, he takes the, the nib and the feed and he puts it into his own section. But not only that, if you buy the pen, he gives you a custom-made section yes, exactly. that fits the size 15 pilot nibs. Which yeah. I think is really smart because he said it's, too, um, it's a waste. It would be a waste yeah. to throw away this nice lacquer barrel. So yeah, that, that's a really good deal, actually. Yeah, I saw I mean, I mean, but it's something hilarious about a, a big custom
1: Urushi with, I mean, size 15 is not small, but for that pen it does yeah. look a bit small. But yeah, it's, it's funny. I mean, it's, there's something hilarious about that. Yeah. So.
0: And oh, they showed okay. me their, their high-end maquillage tray again this year. Yes. Um, and I think year after year, I feel like their work gets better and better and better. Yeah. Obviously, it's not Montesquieu who's doing the actual painting, but... They've clearly established some relationships with people in the lacquer industry mm. to really step up their game. So they're not just that wooden pens company anymore. Mm. They're even evolving into a more dedicated high-end space. Yeah. yeah, That's pretty cool. Do you have a favorite model of art? Of no,
1: I, was, I mean, I'm always a little bit confused but by the lineup. They do look a bit. I mean, from a distance, I feel they look pretty similar. I never really gotten that much. I, mean, I never really looked at most in great detail. But I mean, they all look nice. But I can't really tell with it's an out somehow and I don't know.
0: Well, I'll I'll say that the website is pretty hard to navigate, mm. and it's pretty difficult to see the lineups. But that's why a show like this is great because you got to see it in person. Mm. And last year's show was the first time I've. We bought a steel art and we bought the Shirane model mm. and that model is is fantastic so mm. definitely recommend so another
1: table I went to of course is Yamamoto, uh, Yamamoto paper it, it's always is to me one of the highlights um, he talked a bit about you know he makes these um, like paper testing I'm not sure what he calls them
0: yeah paper like tasting um like, pamphlets, right? Packages.
1: Yeah, and, and, and he makes new versions of it every once in so a while. I think he's on the seventh and eighth one. And he said that one of the reasons that why he had to shoot the paper is that some of the paper they had before is actually not good anymore. Oh, no, really? Because the paper manufacturers, especially for paper, keeps consolidating, and, you know, they're, they're moving paper to different machines. You know, the whole Tom story. I the same thing happened paper. So that's so, the Some paper that was good before like um uh, and and, and, and the
0: time, they don't recommend them anymore. They won't sell them anymore. So they have to change it up. I think that's really interesting, but I think that's also pretty healthy mm. for them because what that means is they'll always have new products. To yeah. Put out. So it's actually I think good for for Young with the paper. But it's also good for the general industry, right? Because um we're constantly forced to try new papers yeah. and yeah, I did see that he was on the 7th version. Mm. But I think maybe what he can do is even put in like, now it's an A4 size, you put in like an A5 or an A6 size, make it easier to actually like paper taste. But instead of, you know, just 7th version and all of them have the same paper, maybe you do like yeah. set A, set B, set C. Mm. And I think that would be a hit to, you know, really try and really encourage people to Buy different types of papers and even at my table right now we're using slight white so mm. all that paper does you know i bought it from young paper themselves by the way i figured out why it's called that
1: it's actually not the spelling is not what you think it s l e i g h t really
0: yeah okay okay <laughs> i gotta i gotta check on my, my package again yeah
1: so that, that, that was interesting um i asked about 68 gsm River. Uh, he said that Samsung is—it's you're so i I mean, you can order from them. It's available now, but but the minimum size is so great that almost no one is doing it. Just, so really? so they don't make it and then like, sell it and right anyone who wants it. You have to all, you have to make a custom. But order. was
0: 68 a custom order previously as well? I think I think
1: they, they changed oh. that to- in like have 2019, 2020. Okay, okay. So then I asked him, so what if someone likes 68 GSM from a river and can't really get hold of it now? What do you recommend as a similar replacement? And he wasn't actually sure. He said, that would be homework for me to come up with something.
0: <laughs> I think halftone paper is, is quite good because when I was looking at the uh, paper casing 7, I did notice that they had the GSMs printed on the pack. And I think what I saw, I took a picture of it, but. I think what i saw was that the the slight white is actually like an 80 something gsm yes exactly Perfect. Yeah. yeah and then halftone color white is like almost 70 like 72 mm. or, or maybe like 68 but yeah. but closer to closer to that 68 i can't find the picture exactly here now but i think maybe maybe a half tone color white could be a could be a good alternative yeah but if you like to write with pencils then then slight white is
1: perfect so, so it's actually it's meant for colored pencils and it's a collaboration between uh Uke, I believe, and sakura crepe pass oh really yeah that's interesting so that's a really good paper did you buy anything from from your moto well the problem is i have i have the the press pass right and it's too awkward to buy anything with a press pass. So I'm waiting to ask o'clock. Oh, you're going to do the... to see the, the vendor thing. time. That That's when I hide by my press pass and go and buy whatever I want. That's cool, that's
0: cool. But are, did you see products that you're, like, gunning for at, like, Zamoto or something else?
1: No, I, I won't. So there was a few things at the uh, Mr. Pilot's table that looks... Oh, I haven't perfect. been there yet. I haven't been there yet. Um, so, I want to take a close look at that table. Other than that, not really, to be honest,
0: because uh, we are taking a, a small intermission. See <laughs> you. What we're experiencing here is the efficiency in letting customers and participants know about whatever announcement they're trying to make. All right, and we're back. We're back. That yes. was an ad break. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, so i would mostly be looking at Mr. Pilots and also Comedian. I haven't seen Comedian's table. I haven't yet. seen it either. And also, I
0: just really realized I haven't been to Furuta yet, so I, I oh, need yeah. to go back there. So. Furuta doesn't recognize me too, so I think he's going to definitely recognize you. Like you are way larger than I am. <laughs> the, um, the, the big guy, Jin. yeah. Well, I also saw a lot of students. There was a student um, who came out to my table earlier today. He said he was a he's a medical student, so he's a university student. And he showed me some of his grinds. And they were actually really, really good, really, really precise. And he showed me this posting needlepoint grind that he did. That was fantastic. So I I don't know. I, I think there is a wave, as I said in some previous shows, there, there might be a wave of younger people. And even just now, I think we saw some high school students and they were just in their uniforms walking around the show. So for me, this is a really big encouragement. I talked to some, so there are some customers who seem to think there are less and less people using fountain pens now. And that's what somebody told me yesterday. But then when I speak to the vendors, they say that's absolutely not the case. In fact, there are more and more people using fountain pens. When they come to the show, they like to buy the, the wooded, Ballpoint pens or mechanical pencils, and then afterwards, when they, uh, when they you know get a job or you know, when they get older, when they have more disposable income, that's when they start spending on fountain And I found that really interesting. That the industry seems to be very optimistic about it, but there's there's still like this um, naysaying or like doomspringer kind of uh, rumor and, or, or feeling around people who are not necessarily in the industry. So I want to spend a bit, bit of time to of
1: compare and contrast again the difference between US and Japanese pen shows from the perspective of a vendor. Because for you, this is the honest I mean, count the Wagner pen club meetups slash shows. This is the first time you're a vendor at a, a Japanese pen show. Right? Yeah. So we have, I mean, we talked in the past or in the recent episode. What the differences in planning, how, how you had these meetings where you went yep. through, you know, the whole contract, the you know, page by <laughs> yeah. page. But now that you've actually been at the table, how would you describe the difference in, you know, the kind of customers, that that's, yeah. like, the
0: questions, what am I? Answered? Well, I think for me, something that's the most obvious is just the amount of work uh, that comes. In the U.S., I'm booked out before the show starts. Here, I've made almost zero yet. So I haven't really had any work at all, which is fine because I'm working on some other things, uh, like some other projects that have kind of been delaying. So this is completely within my expectation. In terms of the work though, I think people are just starting to understand. And what was really good is um, I'm here showing with Ben Walsh that we've designed a pen together. And what Japanese customers are really interested in were new filling mechanisms. So we were able to show them how to test it, have them try it out. And that was what's really, really good. That seemed to attract a lot of attention. On the other hand, in terms of the customers, I think in the US, maybe people are so used to pen shows, or maybe it's just the culture, I'm not sure. But a lot of customers kind of just come in and, and at least for us maybe because we, we host the podcast, right? They kind of just, hi, and you know, kind of more forward about it. Um, they're, They're super, super friendly. And you know, they're not afraid to just start talking to you. Whereas in Japan, the customers are definitely more reserved. It takes a lot of coaxing for them to start talking, even if they're at the table. But, but part of that, though, do you think there's a chance that they see you
1: next to VanWalt and you think that this is some foreign vendors, they might not even speak Japanese, maybe I shouldn't even start a conversation. But even when I speak Japanese to them. Yeah, but, but they don't know that, I mean, you, they need to start a conversation with you, with you to them I' don't realize that you speak Japanese, right?
0: Or over think, here, you. I think it depends on the shop. If you're a shop with uh, high visibility, like next to us is Ishimaru. They had customers coming over to talk to them, but not necessarily that that friendly way. More that, oh, I'm really like I really like your products. I really want to buy from you. Um, you know, what is this product? Can you explain to me? Type of way. It's not in like the U.S. where it's more like, oh yeah, nice to see you again. you uh, back, and I think that that's a, a huge difference. But also, your table is a huge mess.
1: Do you think that has something to do with, you know, them kind of like hesitating value and you see what you're selling?
0: Well, the good thing is the mess is on my part of the table. I'm not really selling anything. Um, but I would argue that my table in the U.S. was even a bigger mess. Okay. Um, just more stuff strewn all over the place. And I'm looking at tables across from us, like the pool, And they sell these pen cases and, and pet kimonos And it's the same for them. It's really difficult for customers to start to approach them. So, okay. Uh,
1: Do you want to talk anything about
0: the the product that everyone's asking you questions about? Are you talking about the Cinderella pen? Uh, I I don't have it here right now, but there is a uh, Cinderella-themed Rialo which I actually knew about a few months ago, but I was very surprised that they came out with a Riello again because last year when I talked to when I talked to Haudenosa, she kind of implied that every year they kind of want to do a different head model, but it, now it's the second year in a row that they're doing a Riello. And on top of that, it's a clear Riello, which is even more transparent than the last year's Riello and this means to me that last year's Riala sold really well. So that's not the pen I had in mind. Is, there's a prototype pen
1: on your table, and I think a lot of people, listeners, may have questions
0: about the prototype. Is there
1: anything you can reveal that's about a... the prototype?
0: Oh, you're talking about my pen. Yeah. Um, so as I alluded to earlier, I'm working on a pen with, with Ben Mosh. We're hoping to um, have advanced sale here at the show, but unfortunately there there were some issues with some of the parts which made it difficult for us to sell. Particularly um, it was easy to break some of the parts if you exert too much force. So what we decided to do is we decided to go back to the drawing board and redesign the mechanism so that it's unbreakable. You know, that obviously means it takes a bit more time but I think it's definitely gonna be worth it, especially the market like Japan, where kind of perfection on the first try is, is almost expected. So we were able to assemble some, some parts and the feedback that we got was that the pen itself is very interesting. And we got, I wouldn't say orders, but people definitely came up and said, once you have this done, we want a hundred of these for our group or our store i just you know, that's something maybe i shouldn't have but we had a lot of people come up um, with interest so that's pretty pretty interesting so one question i have about this product is do you
1: think a large incapacity capacity is the main selling point or do you think that is just like a side effect that is actually just the fact that the fitness system is elaborate is kind of satisfying Do you think that is Main selling point, not even that. What is
0: the main selling point of, 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 of yeah. it? I've heard all sorts of things. Um, some people really like the way that it looks, the design of it. Um, some people obviously think it's very satisfying to, to build, and I'm one of them. Um, but most of all, I think it's just something new in the industry, uh, it's new for the Japanese market. Then. Yeah it's been many many years since we had a new filling system in the Japanese market so they've never seen they've never operated something like this i think for them there's a large novelty factor. i always thought that like having a
1: fountain pen with a huge incapacity it's a little bit like having an SUV in a sense that you you have this you have this idea that you need extra capacity for you know, your off-road traveling while you're actually
0: just going to, you know, the, 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 the supermarket, right? Yeah.
1: And similarly, with this huge capacity, you have this idea that you're going to be back backpacking in, you know, the Alps, and, and you're going to be taking notes in your traveler's notebook, and you need all of your files. Uh,
0: I, I think one of the, the cool things that really resonated with a lot of people What resonated with a lot of people is how easy it is to clean and, um, you know, I was having conversations with people coming over to our table and saying, look, everybody hates cleaning their beds, right? And the customers like, yeah, 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 but I think a lot of people like that aspect of it. Um, Last thing uh, that I want to cover is the news that I got from Narhara-san. We mentioned his son. A few episodes ago, and we mentioned how his son seemed to always be standing at the back, really just fulfilling a helper role. Well, I got information that from next January, his son is actually going to become an independent uh, nib worker. So, you know, I for one am pretty excited to get a nib done by Nunkara the Third. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think yeah,
1: I'm love to, to try. And most important, I want. I'm curious about whether Nagahara Jr. is going to try some of the grinds that senior, not senior, but Nagahara. The first. The first. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, so that would be very, very interesting. All right. just um, one more thing quickly about uh, Ohashiro that I forgot to mention. So we talked before about how he seemingly recently switched to 21k in, and so we talked before that, he had a soft... So he switched over to 21k when uh, he still has 14k nibs. He introduced sports understand, 21k when Sailor stopped making large 14k. So the only 14k he has are the small ones, not the large ones. Okay. So if you need a large nib, it's 21k. But the other thing he mentioned is kind of funny. You know, if Sailor, like a few months ago, they stopped marking the. the uh, oh, yeah, with the software, yeah. Yes. So yeah, HM is now M, HM. Yeah. HM is now F, at the same time he stopped removing S, and because the difference between soft and hard is so subtle, like it's, he lost one of his selling points, right? get <laughs> <he> can't <laughs> that it's soft anymore, yeah. right? and you can't really tell
0: from
1: one with it. Yeah. Well, I for, am sad that,
0: um, I for one am sad that they stopped the large 14 karat gold dips. I-, I feel like it's a no-brainer to supply large fourteen carats to you know, the non Sailor brands and then keep the twenty one K just for the Sailor name. But hey, you know, I could be wrong. I feel like it would be cheaper, it's uh, it's more efficient. I don't know if our our hope for large fourteen carat gold nibs but cheaper Mm -hmm. gold nibs would will come to fruition with Sailor. But you know, we can dream on But it still like a TK for Montagraph by and I think them so. yeah. I sometimes. All right. And I think we've just got the music and the sign that we need to stop the broadcast and uh, and wrap up. Yeah. So thank you everybody. I know we didn't get to everybody's questions, we didn't get to everybody's comments uh, this time, but I agree they should plan some lunch breaks for US pen shows. And, uh, and yeah, Ben has been doing great at the show. So um, with that being said, this has been the, uh, the live from Tokyo International Pen Show 2022. And hopefully next year we'll, we'll have an even better show with more foreign visitors. I heard visitors from Singapore today, um, you know, India, uh, Philippines. So hopefully we'll have even more foreign visitors next year and uh, and i think we will i think we'll have a blast yeah yeah for yeah. sure all right thank you very much my name is cy you can find me on my website at tokyostationpens.com on instagram and tiktok at tokyostationpens and on twitter at tokyostationmnh and my name is jacob and i'm certified on the internet. all right thank you bye-bye bye-bye